Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry. Monthly givers who share our mission are called Visionary Extra Mile Partners. And right now, you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters. The amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you. What is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach Australia for the gospel. Click the banner at vision.org.au or in the Vision app to find out more about becoming a Visionary Extra Mile Partner. It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. Okay, well, I was born overseas. My mum is German, my dad was Egyptian. I was born in Lebanon and uh, my family came to Australia when I was three years of age. But the thing that was most striking for me, even growing up in a fairly strong Christian family, was during my teen years having to sort of process and own my own faith. Mm. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, as we just heard, Andrew Boutros had an interesting beginning to life, being born in Lebanon to Egyptian and German parents before moving to Australia. Today, we'll hear his life journey and how he served in a variety of roles before becoming the founding director of True Success, an organisation that provides training and chaplaincy to many businesses. He's having a chat and sharing his story with Karen Hunt. Welcome to the program. Hi, Karen. How are you going? I am very well. It's great to be talking with you. I haven't seen you for a number of years. I know. uh, know. It's so good to hear from you. It's been a while. We go back, what, about 10 years or so? 10 or 12? I think it's at least that. Our kids were young and we were doing parenting courses and stuff and, yeah, great memories, Karen. It's good to hear <laughs> You became the CEO for a season of Focus on the Family and then you it branched was. out and you began your own organisation called True Success. So before we actually get to share what that is and what's happening with that at the moment, let's just track your journey, Andrew. Okay. I mean, I know a number of people simply call you AB, but yeah. uh, Andrew, where were you born? Where were you bred? And give us a little bit of an understanding of what life was like for you as a little guy. Okay, well, I was born overseas. My mum is German, my dad was Egyptian. I was born in Lebanon and uh, my family came to Australia when I was three years of age. So having uh, parents from overseas uh, going through school had uh, exactly the sort of things that kids who come from overseas today had to experience with different traditions and cultures and had to wrestle through what it was like to have an identity as an Australian kid. What was the next part of the question? <laughs> what was life like? I mean, I'm imagining now this little boy born in Lebanon. Now, I didn't know this. Hello. <laughs> what was life like? Was there a faith aspect in your own family culture at that particular time? There was. Both my mum and dad were, are, my mum's still alive, are Christians, and uh, very much brought us up to know Jesus personally, to have a relationship with him, uh, and to be part of church. 
very much they had a Christian faith that was very real to them and passed that on to us kids. So having a German and Egyptian mix, I mean, going back with the generations, what was their former experience even before coming together sure. themselves? My mum became a Christian in her 20s. Uh, she had a religious, more of a, a religious background when she was younger, but she really uh, owned her faith when she went to England as a nurse, and that was her formation. Uh-huh. My dad grew up in a uh, in a Christian church, and um, he had a strong faith right from he was young, and his, his background was Christian all the way back. Wow, so that heritage, that legacy was definitely passed on. It, it definitely was there and, and part of the formation of, of who I am today. But, but Karen, I guess the thing that was most striking for me even growing up in a fairly strong Christian family was during my teen years having to sort of process and own my own faith Mm. and that probably was what made me so interested in working with young people and youth because it's all very well to have a a faith that's inherited and I don't underestimate that and I'm so thankful for that but for a young person owning your own faith is very important and sometimes people like myself who've had the privilege of having a a fairly sheltered and Christian environment don't really grasp, hold and own their faith as strongly as they should. And so for me, uh, one of the challenges was helping young people to grasp onto their faith. So before your teen years, as a child, what what were you good at? What did you enjoy? What (laughs) flicked your switch? Ah, that's a good question. And where was that? (laughs) Well, we grew up in Melbourne and uh, all the stuff young kids enjoy. I love sport, love building things, working things out. Uh, I became a science teacher later in life and that's probably because I just love fiddling, pulling things apart and stuff like that. Obviously, growing up in Melbourne, football was a big part of the culture, so enjoyed uh, listening to the football on the radio and going along occasionally and family and friends were part of life as well. Very... uh, Pleasant. Uh, there weren't major crises in life, so I was very privileged, very, very privileged, the upbringing that I had. What a blessing. It was. And siblings? One brother, he's uh, five and a half years older than me. Uh-huh. Uh, he also is a minister, strangely enough. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we're going well. My mum see her from time to time. Uh, she lives in a retirement village. And my brother and his family, yeah, we, we all get on well. What did you think you would pursue? As a young man, did you ever think you would get into ministry yourself? Did you have other ideas and dreams? Was the teaching world what you imagined? Each phase in my life, I absolutely loved. And so through high school, I loved the whole concept of being involved in school and and all the things that go with, you know, running Christian groups and being part of leadership and and, and all the stuff that went with it. And I didn't think beyond it, except next stage would be to go to university because that looked like a lot of fun. My brother had been there. And then through university years were some of the best years of life, got involved in the Evangelical Union at university mm-hmm. and an organisation called Youth Dimension did lots of uh, beach missions and young adults and youth camps. That was really a time where I grew a heap in terms of my leadership skills and faith and just absolutely loved those, uh, those years at university and about uh, studying science and so... I never really looked ahead to the next stage until that halfway through each stage. So while I was at university studying science because that was what I was good at, I thought, yeah, I like working with young people, I like leadership, 
and teaching seemed like doing a job that I just loved doing and getting paid for it. So it was sort of like just one day I woke up and thought, mm, I think I'll do a <laughs> diploma of education and be a teacher. Uh, I guess it helped me see that God guide just your, your tracks one step at a time. So when you move into the next phase, uh, the next door opens. But I, I've never really had two doors open ahead of time. I've always sort of been into one phase and then thinking, well, I'm, I'm loving this and I'll just keep doing this. And, and then gradually the next door opens. Um, I've never really looked too far ahead. Now, I'm just interested, curious myself to know, Mm -hmm. for you as a a very strongly grounded young Christian man, how did you cope with entering a secular university and studying the field of science? Karen, one of the things during the formation of those years helped me to see that all truth is God's truth and no matter how hard you drill into any area where it's arts, science, uh, psychology, whatever area, the deeper you drill into it, the more you see God's truth behind it. It's the same in science. The deeper you drill into science, the more you see God's hand mm. in it. I never found a conflict between science and my faith. And I know there's, there's aspects which uh, people will wrestle with about how those two things can link up. But for me, I always had that premise that there are scientists, we shouldn't be afraid to study science as it is, even if at first it seems to be quite confronting to your own faith. One of the examples probably I found more so is when I ended up being a science teacher and and, uh, the the obvious debate that often people have is between uh, creation and evolution. I I taught in a secular school, by the way, in the government system. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I strongly uh, see is that, you know, science, we have hypotheses, educated guesses. Then some of those educated guesses have more and more evidence to a point where we call them theories, basically uh, evidence-based ideas. Mm-hmm. And there's strong enough evidence to make them into theories. And then when that evidence grows to a level, we can then call them proofs. And from a scientific perspective, both creation and evolution are good theories. From the one that I believe, of course, creation, that's, that's where I'm at, that doesn't mean you can't teach the theory from a scientific point of view of what evolution says mm. and the strengths and weaknesses and what science says about creation as well, the strengths and weaknesses. You felt yeah. the freedom to be able to do that in, in the secular schooling? Oh, I, was, I, was just, um, I was just saying what the evidence is there. Uh-huh. I wasn't barracking for one or the other. And so as a science teacher... The kids knew I was a Christian, but sometimes they, they wouldn't know for sure which one uh, I was actually barracking for, if you like. <laughs> okay. but, you know, if a kid asked me generally, yes. um, you know, it was pretty obvious where, where, where I stood. But, you know, the important thing I would always say is really for you to work out, what do you think? Yes. Uh, it's not up to me to decide. And from science, it's not a matter of, of persuading somebody to believe one or the other. It's a matter of looking at the objective evidence and then weighing it up. For me, teaching science wasn't a problem because science is about uh, the evidence that's before us and evaluating it. And I think you would have been a fantastic science teacher. Oh, you're too kind. (laughs) No, I mean that sincerely. And I I know how you work with young people just to put that challenge out, to be honest and open based on your values and your belief system. I'm sure you've encouraged many, many a teenage student. Oh, you're too kind. Look, I love teaching. I just just love that whole uh, input you could have into young people's lives. And I think one of the things is to respect their opinions and their beliefs. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, even to the point where as a teacher you have power and to influence young people. To be able to respect them, to be able to make their own beliefs is, is important. You know, now I was saying before for me, owning my own face was really important and one of the priorities is to get young people to own whatever they believe but to own it properly. Okay, so you're a teacher for how long? Um, six years. Yes. And then you went from there into youth yes, ministry? That's right. During that time, I studied at Theological College in the Baptist College in Melbourne. And, uh, you know, the idea there was that I wasn't sure if I'd do ministry down the track because I was involved in my church youth ministry heading that up. And I also thought as a good teacher, if you're studying at the same time as your students, then you can relate better to them and all that kind of stuff. So I ended up getting a theology degree as I was teaching. And a range of circumstances occurred. And I got the opportunity to move to Southport Church of Christ and become their youth pastor initially. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Andrew Boutros, who's sharing his life journey. We've just heard the variety of roles he's had over the years in ministry and as a teacher. Next, we'll find out how he met his wife and how he went on to become the founder of his own organisation called True Success. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Andrew Boutros, the founding director of True Success, an organisation that provides training and chaplaincy to many businesses. Before the break, we heard about the variety of roles he's had over the years, both as a teacher and in ministry. Next, we'll hear more of his life journey and how he met his wife. You met Linda. How did that yes. happen? Oh, yes. Look, that was at university. Uh, during the, those uh, fantastic years on campus, Linda and I met up at the uh, Evangelical Union there, uh-huh. got to know each other, did a lot of stuff together and thought, hmm, she seems nice. And um, the rest is history. Did you want any more details? <laughs> <laughs> what was her thing at that time? What was she studying? She's studying, she's studying arts. Look, admired everything about her, really. She was involved with uh, working with young people. She was bright. She was smart. She had everything that was really fun. And so our relationship developed and uh, we started going out and decided that we get married after university because mm-hmm. uh, we're both living at home and doing lots and lots of stuff and, you know, life was good. So we thought, well, rather than all the burdens of having to have a house <laughs> and all the stuff, let's get married after university. So on the 30th of October was the last day at university for both of us and we got married on the 31st of October. Is that true? <laughs> no wow. way. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And did you both have in mind that you would enter into Christian ministry together? No, because actually she's a school teacher as well. Mm-hmm. So we had the same sort of heart and we both loved that sort of concept of working with young people. It was a terrific time. And uh, to be honest, we thought that was ministry as much as anything else mm-hmm. and still sure. do, you know. Uh, ministry is where you are using your gifts and whether it's in a church or whether it's in a workplace or a school. To be honest, I actually wanted to be a teacher for the rest of my life. And what was she teaching? 
She's uh, English and English is a second language and history and artsy type teacher. Beautiful woman, I must say. Mm. Tell us, you moved from Melbourne, like we said, to Southport. So what was life like moving, starting afresh and getting into that world? Well, it was so much fun. It was interesting. It was difficult moving away from family and friends in Melbourne, but Southport Church of Christ was absolutely fantastic. It was a church with about five, 600 people at that stage, a tremendous vision. Uh, they were so welcoming. Uh, it was just a, a, an amazing place. So you couldn't ask for a, uh, if there was going to be a shift, if you like, for a better support in the way it happened. Uh, and we got right down into doing really exciting things in, in working with the church. There's a university that was developing across the road from the church. Uh, was able to be involved in so many different things from family ministry, university ministry. This is aside from youth work. Um, uh, being involved in, in developing all sorts of uh, different programs but basically working with people it was just so much fun definitely both of you have a gift in working with people you're both leaders in your own right but your people skills are very special and I think that shows through all of the experience that you outlined earlier with growing up with camps and leadership and this that and the other your exposure to diverse people groups diverse age groups as well certainly set you up then for the next jump in your career so you stayed at Southport for how many years? It was 13 years. It was a long season, working really well with the senior pastor. And look, the season was coming to an end. Uh, you, you get to a stage where you feel like you've done as much as you, you possibly can. And it was just time to have a bit of a think about what, what was going to be next. And that was difficult because I've never sort of looked beyond, again, out of the blue. <laughs> and it was a range of circumstances, least likely. I thought I'd be going to another church. Um, God opened the door. Friends said, hey, look, they're looking for a leader at Folks in the Family. Why don't you apply for that? And I thought that's you know, a crazy idea, but it, it's a good way of getting my resume in order. So I spent a, a bit of time sorting that out, and a range of circumstances took place, and I ended up being appointed to that role. And it also took you back home near to both sides of the family. Yes, that's right. And I didn't even know that when I first applied. And uh, yes, I took us back to the head office in Melbourne and made another move, which is probably as traumatic or difficult as moving up to the Gold Coast in the first place yeah. because we've made so many friends and so many connections. And our kids, three of the kids were born up there and it was the right time, but it was uh, that certainly wasn't an easy transition in many ways either. And you've been in Melbourne ever since? Yes, yes. And so life continued as it does. Did Linda pick up a teaching job down there? What was, she did. Yeah. She went back to her old school, uh, which was really good. She ended up teaching at Westall and then uh, then moved on to teaching at Maranatha Christian School where our kids were going. So, yes, so doors open up really well. While I say it was a difficult transition, it went really well in terms of uh, people supporting, uh, helping us to feel you know, part of our community back here. So, yeah, it, it went well, and the opportunity for Linda to have work and for me to settle into focus, it, it went as well as it could. And it also gave you opportunity as well to go nationwide with Focus on the Family Australia. Did a lot of travel during that stage. Met lots of interesting people from the Prime Minister and Opposition Leader up through to significant business leaders, church leaders, community leaders. 
and uh, help folks and family develop a, a good, strong financial base, a uh, fresh strategic plan and a number of uh, initiatives, unified the staffing. and So it was a really uh, encouraging, positive time, I thought, in terms of my life and career and, and also for the organisation. So probably was where I, I was whetted the appetite in terms of seeing how God works in businesses during that stage. You know, I saw how God can work through people in the business world in a very significant way. They employ people, they have influence. A good Christian leader in a business can have incredible impact on the world around them. And so I started reflecting on that, and that's sort of where true success formed because many leaders would talk about success. And uh, the more I looked at it, the more I discovered that success was about finding security and significance, Mm. two things that every person in life is looking for. And, of course, business leaders were trying to find success, and those two things were the two things that they were trying to find. But without Jesus in the midst of that, you really can't find what I call true success, Mm. and that is knowing God in the middle of all that. And so that's where the name formed, True Success. And that's where the organisation formed where we thought, is there a way of applying biblical principles into the workplace? So when we formed True Success, we looked at three areas that I had great interest, and that's education, the workplace and families. We looked at the biblical principles that go behind each of those sectors. And that's where we started forming seminars, training, um, support, and and we have a whole gamut of uh, different uh, resources and training that we provide in those three sectors. But predominantly today, True Success does a lot of work in many businesses as business chaplains. Still do seminars, relationship seminars, marriage seminars and parenting seminars, but the predominant work that we do is within businesses. A little bit like the professional sporting clubs, all the AFL clubs, for example, have a a chaplain, a sports chaplain, who's very professional in the way they conduct themselves around the business and the the organisation sees them as an important uh, people-helping resource, almost part of their HR team. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well... Why can't we do the same thing? Why can't we provide an important resource to the HR departments of businesses by providing a very strongly trained, well-developed business chaplaincy model that is external and contracted to the businesses? And uh, we tried one or two and it's kicked on since then really well. It's been interesting how the businesses, we're talking about secular businesses Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. have seen the advantage of having, if you like, the spiritual needs, not necessarily the religious needs, but the spiritual, the deeper needs of their people being catered for has a direct advantage, even commercially, to their businesses helps them to cope with life, helps them to see their purpose, their direction, their passions, helps their staff to be more aligned to perhaps where the business is going. So a lot of the time we spend helping and mentoring, uh, particularly the upper levels of the business, the managers and the CEOs and the directors, but also right throughout the business. We act as their business chaplains. That is very exciting. And I can only imagine the security and the significance that you're able to develop. Andrew, if people want to find out more or make contact with you, what's the best way they can go about that? Go to our website truesuccess.com.au God bless you Andrew thanks for sharing and I wish you well with your family and your organisation Hey Karen thanks so much for having me today it's been lovely to catch up with you God bless you bye bye Andrew That was Karen Hunt chatting with Andrew Boutros the founding director of True Success 
And it's interesting to hear how his organisation provides chaplaincy to businesses, much the same way sporting teams have chaplains to help athletes with spiritual guidance. What a fantastic idea. Also, it's great to hear that true success, it's something that Andrew and his wife Linda do together, shining the light of Jesus in the business world. To learn more, their website is truesuccess.com.au. That's truesuccess.com. Dot .com.au. Well, thanks for joining us to hear Andrew's life journey. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I um, said to the guy, you've, you've got to pay these people. He's like, no, 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 the market's doing this, the market's doing that. You know, next month it'll be fine, next month it'll be fine. And money came into the company and I said to him, look, I can't handle this anymore. Can I use this to pay people just this once? And he said, yes, do that, because he didn't care. And I used that money to pay people. Now, I didn't realise just how serious that was, because I didn't actually steal it. But that was a breach of the Corporations Act. I just caved under pressure. Trish Jenkins was living a comfortable life as a wife and mother of three, when suddenly, through a series of events, she found herself sentenced to eight months in prison, living among some of society's most dangerous criminals. She has written about her experiences in a book called Treasures of Darkness, A Prison Journey. We'll hear her story next time. The story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.